Welcome to The Brave in the Wild, a podcast by Eat What You Kill. I'm Tim Keverman and I'm flying solo again to follow up on my burnout podcast with seven tips on how to nurture your mental health. This episode and the information contained in it was put together by myself and my good friend Ampara Bowens, a clinical psychologist. Uh, There's many ways to nurture your mental health and these are just the top seven that I've found helpful in my life. Um, And since the burnout episode, the biggest question aside from telling the difference between burnout and stress was actually how to deal with the aftermath of it. And for a lot of people that was being left with a sense of depression, anxiety, even after the burnout symptoms had gone and you know, life had been adjusted to to stop it happening again. Um, I've had a lot of questions saying I'm depressed and I don't know what to do. Um, and a lot of these people have also said they don't have access to or can't afford, a, you know, professional therapy. Um, and that's something that I think is quite... Uh, it's very present um, all around New Zealand. Uh I think there's probably a lot of people that need help professionally who just can't get it. So in an effort to put some more tools out there, uh, these are the top seven seven tips that I can give you for nurturing your own mental health. And this is all stuff you can do alone and with the support of family without necessarily needing um, the help of a professional. The first point I'd like to talk on is connection. In us humans, connection lives in our prefrontal cortex, the brain region responsible for, among other things, personality expression, decision-making, and our social behavior. In times of stress, it's super easy to retreat and isolate ourselves. I know I'm guilty of it. Sometimes, it actually feels super productive to do this. When it comes to our well-being, other people matter. By nature, we are social beings, and to deprive ourselves of connection is to go against our often subconscious need to be involved in relationships on all levels. Taking time to strengthen and establish relationships is important. You are cultivating a sense of belonging and self-worth. The last few years, there's been an increased level of isolation for everyone. Lockdowns, loss of work, and general uncertainty has made this very hard. It takes a toll on how we feel and how we operate on the daily. My previous podcast was all about burnout, and a big part of this was spending too much time alone with my own thoughts, my own stresses, and not actually talking to anyone about it. It wasn't until I brought it up with someone, spoke to a professional, saw a doctor, and really delved into what was bothering me that things got better. Even speaking to friends made the world of difference. The physical symptoms that lingered after the burnout demonstrate how detrimental it was, the isolation I had placed upon myself. It's something I will look for in the future, and for myself, the alarm bells now are wanting to spend too much time alone. I understand that some people are natural introverts. I do love a a weekend on my own, but when it becomes day in, day out, week after week, there's generally something underlying So connect with friends and family, check on them and make time around your commitments to enjoy their company. As I say this, I realise I've been pretty bad at it myself of late. 
Arrange catch-ups, get out on some missions, go spearfishing, go hunting, speak to someone new. Make it an ongoing part of your schedule, just like going to the gym or brushing your teeth. If you think back to a time when you felt unwell, were you in a cycle of isolation? Did you close off and go inward, or did you push yourself outwards and talk to people about it? I think you'll find in a lot of cases that the instances where you talk to people, you came out of it a lot better. My second talking point is around gratitude. In essence, practicing gratitude is the art of recognizing and celebrating all the good things that happen to us. The things that often passed us unnoticed, the things that people do for us, and the things that we do to add positivity to our lives and for other people. Gratitude is a selfless emotion that we use to form and strengthen relationships, and studies have proven its practice to be of benefit in helping people feel happier, especially those suffering from emotional turmoil. While the benefits of gratitude can take some time to appear, a consistent practice can unshackle us from a negative thinking pattern and toxic emotions. It's not something that needs to be shared verbally or even publicly. It can be a daily personal exercise that over time will help us retrain our brains and our thought patterns to operate in a more positive way. When I'm on a roll with this practice, I try and think of five to ten things every night before I go to sleep that are really good in my life, that are good throughout the day, or that I have coming up that will add positivity to my life. I definitely notice that when I fall off the wagon with this, uh, my thinking patterns are a lot more negative. When I'm doing this daily, I can't help but feel more positive. I've spoken to a number of people who make this a part of their daily routine. They note that their relationships are better, they feel less guilt, more empathy, have better sleep and energy, and a greater appreciation for where where they are in life and what they have. This is also a good tool to combat the ever-present feeling of comparison to other people. Social media, in my opinion, has played a huge part in this. Having a stronger and healthier outlook, in turn, will help us move away from the things that hinder our mental health and well-being. How, how can we practice gratitude? There are many ways, shapes, and forms, but there are two that I like, which I think are easy to implement and take a little bit of time in our busy days. One is, as I've already said, before you go to sleep at night, Just think of five to ten things that you're really grateful for and happy about. The other way to do it is to do this before breakfast. Silently consider them or discuss them with someone around you. Another way to do it is to download an app called the 5 Minute Journal. This was actually given to me by my friend Krista and each day it provides you with some inspiration and a prompt for you to complete a morning and evening entry that ensures you start and finish each day on a positive note. I actually haven't used this for a while but as I say this I think it's time to get back on that wagon. I notice a quick downturn in my own thoughts when I let this slip. Give it a go but if you decide not to make practicing gratitude in your own way a part of your consistent daily schedule. If you already make use of this amazing mind hack, please let me know how it helps you and what benefits you've noticed. Third on my list is resilience. 
I understand resilience means a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, it refers to our ability to see failure as a form of feedback and come through life's knockdowns with a positive attitude. There's a saying I've always loved that goes, we grow through what we go through. It's something I had saved on my phone for a very long time, and I've always associated it with resilience. I believe it's our ability to adapt and learn from significant adversity, trauma, and tragedy. Being resilient doesn't mean that you don't experience downturns in life. It's more a description of the behaviors, thoughts, and actions that we as humans can all learn to develop to get through tough times. If you're going through hard times now, please know that you're growing, and a time will come where you'll feel the newfound strength and desire to face challenges head on. Like training our muscles and endurance for a big mission, resilience takes time and effort to grow and develop. We can intentionally work on aspects of our lives and make daily choices that will ultimately determine how resilient we are when things aren't going well. Life changes for the good and the bad. It's inevitable and it happens to everyone. We want to not only survive change, but grow and thrive as we make our way along our chosen and usually uncharted paths. Developing a resilient mindset looks different for everyone. I totally get that. Our experiences, our reactions are all unique and our internal thoughts and processes are all very personal to ourselves. There are many ways to train resilience. For me, it's getting outside my comfort zone. It's something I've pushed and spoken about so many times, and it's noticing and altering negative thought patterns and problem solving associated with these times outside my comfort zone. In the last few years, I've learned to seek the uncomfortable and at times the unbearable, and then carry on anyway. It's a hard-fought journey at times, but there are moments when you realize just how far you've come. We should all work on connection, take care of our bodies and mind, practice mindfulness, support others, set goals, look for new opportunities, and most importantly know that there will be days when we feel like we're moving backwards. These are the days where we grow and learn. It's all part of the journey and in time we'll develop a little less resistance and a little more resilience to the new and unknown, and a little more tolerance to pain. Fourth on my list is comfort zones. This is an area I've spoken about a lot. When it comes to comfort zones, this is an area I've done the most work on in my life in the last few years, and it's given me the most noticeable and ongoing results. As humans, we often avoid experiences that bring with them negative and painful feelings and emotions. We narrow our field of view to include the things that we are comfortable with. Why wouldn't we? This is where we're safe. I've learned that stepping outside my comfort zone to face fear head on is one of the hardest but best ways to reduce anxiety, depression and apprehension about any given experience. It helps in day-to-day life as well. When we safely expose ourselves to what frightens us, we begin to strip away the power and presence of those negativities associated with it. This, is, this definitely isn't something that happens overnight. It can take weeks, months, or in my case years to become comfortable living with the uncomfortable. Each time we chip away at it, we gain strength, confidence, and most importantly, pride in ourselves. Think back to what we said about gratitude. 
I believe, without reservation, that experiencing doses of stress and anxiety in a safe environment and the pursuit of something we are passionate about is healthy. What we fear the most is usually failure, but if we never try, we'll never know what we're capable of. We all fail at some point, and when we realize the failures and hurdles along the way are what shapes us and makes us truly believe how worthwhile it is. Don't settle for mediocrity just to avoid a perceived threat. Try something new, try something hard, or something that instills within you a sense of apprehension and fear. Keep in mind this will look different for everyone and should be done with safety as a priority. In my experience, the stronger the initial negative response is, the more meaningful it's going to be. When you conquer it and thrive in your new pastime or passion, you'll realise that the stepping stones to get there were all worthwhile. Leaving your comfort zone behind will build resilience. It will help you get used to change, and it will help you learn to regulate your emotions, which will serve you well in all areas of your life. Next up, we have boundaries. Boundaries are something that took me a very long time to work on, but it's an important part of self-care and the way we define our identity. It enables us to take personal responsibility for how we're treated and prioritizes our own physical and emotional requirements. Boundaries are often unseen and disregarded, especially when they lack clear definition. In setting these effective standards, we build our self-esteem, preserve our energy, and live with a greater sense of confidence and independence. Whether we're talking personal, professional, or relationship-based boundaries, we need to consider our values, our gut feelings, and our rights when articulating what we want and need. Our background, our family, our personality, and the experiences we've had through our life will all play into building these boundaries. It took me years of running a business to discover and communicate what my professional boundaries were. It's a, a constantly evolving life lesson, one I still struggle with at times, but when I do manage to draw a line in the sand with assertiveness, my life changes. My expectations were clearer and no one is left feeling taken advantage of. The value of what I offer grew, along with my sense of confidence to take on bigger challenges and projects. The ways to implement boundaries vary, but in my experience, the best and often hardest approach is to be clear and concise, without over-explaining, and ensure you include why it's so important to you. Learning to say no is also another awesome tool to master. Having unclear boundaries often results in us giving our energy to people and things well before ourselves. We end up holding everyone else's feelings and needs and neglecting our own. Practice self-awareness. Define your emotional and physical safe places and begin to communicate them clearly. Practice self-awareness. Define your emotional and physical safe places. Begin to communicate them clearly. With time, you'll feel your self-worth grow and your values soar. The unhealthy people and pastimes in your life will slowly fade away. Ironically, the next topic is the one I'm worst at, taking breaks. Let me start this by saying I know, personally, how hard you have to work to build something great, whether that's personally or professionally. 
restlessness, sleep troubles, appetite changes, fatigue, sickness, and lack of motivation are all signs that regardless of what you're doing or building, it's time to take a break. In this day and age, we put much time and importance on the hustle, the work or fail mindset, and the need to continually be moving towards something. Like I say, It does take hard work to build something great, regardless of what it is, but it's become almost a sought-after lifestyle to be relentlessly working and grinding towards a goal. We see the hash no-days-off lifestyle being pushed at us on social media, instilling in us a perception that if we stop for a moment, we'll fall behind. It's just not true. In fact, over the years I've learned that overworking, overthinking and moving without rest can be the single most detrimental approach to reaching the goals we work so hard to achieve. But everyone, and I mean everyone, needs to take a break from time to time. It's often the last thing on our minds, especially when we're on a roll, but without planned breaks, our body and mind will suffer. Take a week to yourself, take a weekend to yourself, a day or an hour. Spend it with friends or family. I'm sure most of us are ready for some respite after the last few years. Learn to recognize the symptoms of burnout. For me, I lost my creativity. I had a never-ending headache, and no matter how much I slept, for days I spent wading through a cloud of mind fog. Find something that allows you to disconnect from whatever it is you spend most of your time doing. For me... I go to the gym to take a break from work. I stop my responsibilities, I get off social media, and this is my time in the day to recharge actively. You'll be a better boss, worker, partner, and person for it. You will think with more clarity, and it will allow you to focus more on productivity. As a business owner, I know proper breaks can be few and far between, but make sure you do something at least once a week that's selfishly for you. And when possible, disconnect for longer. Take a day, a week, or a month. Inspire those around you to do the same, and you will notice your well-being skyrocket. My final point, and what I believe to be at the heart and soul of positive promotion of mental health, is conversation. Mental health has been a notoriously unspoken subject, yet it plays such a crucial part in our overall well-being. The long-standing stigma around mental health is finally lifting. I see it, and slowly but surely, the discussions are happening. None of us are immune to mental health issues, and for everyone it will look different. Regardless of your social status, your job, or your financial situation, at some point, you will benefit from having at least a quick conversation with a friend about something that's weighing on you. I've learned that a quick and honest yarn with a mate can have as much impact as a structured conversation with a therapist. A few years ago, I made it one of my missions in life to start talking more about what I struggled with and promote others to do the same. I mostly spoke to close friends, but also with a professional in an effort to minimize the power my negative thoughts and emotions had on my life and also to understand where they come from. If you know someone who might be struggling, check on them. It could be a simple message, a phone call, or a visit. You don't always have to understand, but showing you care and are willing to listen will mean more than you'll ever know. Through crafting meaningful conversations, and in turn inspiring others to do the same, we can slowly inform everyone from all walks of life that it's totally sweet to feel what we feel. 
and when required to ask for help. If you're on the sharing side of a conversation, be open and really articulate where you're at emotionally. If you're on the support side, feel free to talk less, listen more and realise you don't have to have all the answers. The truth is, none of us are perfect. None of our lives are as perfect as we make out on social media and everyone has flaws and daily struggles. Having a hard time on any level is common. It's human. Some of us will unfortunately experience weeks, months and even years of it. It happens. It's distressful, but there's little point in ignoring it. I hope these mental health points have helped shine a light on this important topic. I hope it's afforded you the time to consider your own mental health and those that you care about. We should all strive to continue this dialogue and consideration. As Kiwis, our statistics are poor, yet we are a country that has proven we know how to band together when times are tough. So at home, at work, or within your circle of friends, welcome and nurture everyone's need and right to have a chat about a shit day or a dark week or a hard year. Talking really is the first step to healing, and the more we do, the more we will recover, and the more we will spread the word of how effective human connection and understanding truly is. Thank you for listening to my top 7 tips on how to nurture your own mental health. I hope this has been a good follow-up to my burnout episode, and given you some ideas on ways to start prioritising wellness within yourself. There will be more specific mental health episodes to come, but for the next few episodes, I will be back with new and interesting guests. I'm Tim Kaverman. See you on the next episode of The Brave in the Wild.